Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We are going to uh, continue in our series, Staying Committed. Last weekend, Pastor Jake shared uh, about this idea as he kicked us off around covenant, which though is a bit of an archaic term, covenant is the way that the Bible, the Bible's language in describing the way that God relates to us. A covenant is very different from a contract. A contract is 50-50, give and take, you do this, I'll do this. That's not actually the way that God relates to us. God doesn't relate to us as a contract basis, but on a covenant basis, which is 100-100. Covenant is all in. It is something that you are in with no escape clause. And that's actually the way that God relates to us. And the Bible calls us a covenant people, which doesn't just mean that we are benefiters of the covenant. That's enough to praise God for here this morning. Yet we are also commissioned with upholding the responsibility of that covenant as well. It's part of what it means to be a covenant church. And so our relationships, all of our relationships should reciprocate the faithfulness of our covenant keeping God. See, the cross, it's not just a stake in the ground for my relationship with Jesus, but it's also a bridge to the world around me, living in covenant relationships. God actually has a lot to say about relationships. They matter a big deal, especially covenant relationships. I actually believe that part of God's plan for our life is to experience emotional health and relational wealth. Part of what God wants from us is to experience the wealth of relationships. And so talking about covenant relationships. We're taking the time to address this today because relationships really are an area that so many of us struggle in. We find difficulty with of what does God want and when what do I want? And so kind of approaching relationships, I'm reminded of this quote, R.T. Kendall said, wisdom is just asking God for his opinion. Love that definition. And so when we're approaching relationships, wisdom would tell us to ask God, what does he think? That's why we're going to the scriptures today, because I actually believe that there is no greater grid for relationships or human flourishing than the word of God. Part of what this book holds within it is the wisdom of God, and it gives us no better path to experience freedom and fullness of life. That's what the word of God really is all about. And so today, as we kind of unpack relationships, I want to take an area that is not only foundational for this series, but want to unpack something that gets a little bit of a bad rap. Want to talk today about singleness. And I want to talk to us about this issue really because it's foundational. How many know that healthy relationships are made from healthy individuals? Really, I I just believe healthy couples are founded on healthy singles. So we really have to take the time today in this series to deal with me before we deal with we. I believe that how you handle singleness actually has a lot to say about how you handle marriage. Any married person in this place will tell you today that if you can't be happy as a single person, it's going to be really hard to be happy in your marriage. We're dealing with this issue of singleness today. And, and really, I, I think this is um, an area that as studying the passage the past couple of weeks has really been something that I've even been profoundly impacted by. And my perspective has changed in this area. I know many of us here today uh, would be married, but statistics tell us that over 50% of this room is either single or single again. As many of us dealing with this 
really issue of singleness and handling it with wisdom would mean to go to God's opinion for how to flourish in our singleness. First Corinthians chapter seven, we'll read it together. Paul writes this picking up in verse seven. He says, or in verse six, now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. Now scholars believe that Paul was a widower. He was married and his wife died and he chose instead of to remarry, to take up the vow, the commitment of singleness. And he says, I wish that all were as I am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say this, that, uh, that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now, skipping down to verse 17, which really is where I think I want to land today. Paul writes this, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. I want to read that same verse to you just as we unpack this idea. Read that same verse to you in the message translation because I think sometimes, especially around relationships and singleness, some of it's easy to think that our only options are to get married or to remain a monk. And so I want to help us to see really what the tenor of Scripture is in the message translation. Uh, verse 17, Paul says this, un understanding. He says, And don't be wishing you were someplace else or with somebody else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, determines your life. We could all go home right now and that would be enough. That is a word today. So God's opinion on singleness is saying, don't be wishing you were with somebody else or in a different season. Where you are right now is where God has appointed you. I want to preach to you from this title today, the gift that nobody wants. <laughs> the gift that nobody wants. I want to preface this by saying there is a verse in the Bible that says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. No doubt, my wife is evidence of God's favor in my life. We are celebrating this month five years of being married. It's not long, but it's at least two Hollywood marriages, so we are proud of it. And we have learned just in those five years that marriage isn't easy. It is really, it's, it's, it's hard work. But in the same way, I have realized that my marriage is a gift. It's evidence of God's favor to me. And still, I've realized that even despite the hard work that marriage is, it is worth fighting for. Marriage is worth staying committed. It's worth it. But I also, in saying that, want to clarify something as well. That marriage is a gift, but singleness is a gift as well. Some of you are saying, I didn't know my singleness was a gift. Others of you are saying, I didn't know my marriage was a gift. We're going to deal with that next week. <laughs> Dr. Chapman has an incredible word plan for you married folks. We're not going to just, just hang with me here for a moment. Don't check out because really as we're talking about 
uh, singleness. It, it is a gift, but singleness can feel like, you know, one of those like crappy white elephant gifts that you're stuck with, the one that nobody wants, but somehow you're the one that gets stuck with it. I remember growing up and uh, I was the only child. So Christmas, how many know, was awesome for me. The whole budget was mine. And so... <laughs> Parents, amazing, parents are amazing, but one year we did a white elephant gift exchange as a family. And you know, we all have those people, friends or family that we just pray doesn't draw our name in the gift exchange. What happened is, you know, you, you, there's the gift that gets passed around and as soon as it's open, people are like, yo, I do not want that one. You're stuck with it. It's like, you know, you, you get whatever, a, a roll of toilet paper wrapped in tinfoil, like bro, did you have no time to prepare? Like anything would be better than this. It, it, singleness can feel like the gift that we don't want, the gift that we're stuck with, that somehow you're the one that is under this curse. And speaking about singleness, I can even feel the tension in the room because many of us would say, and, and even just, let me say as a church, part of our message to singles has just been cliche. It's just been like, um, you know, don't, don't focus on finding the one, just be the one. Or, or we say like, hey, just, just date Jesus. And you're like, hey, like, it's been 10 years. I'm kind of tired of dating Jesus. Like, I just want to find somebody. It's not a bad desire. I want to spare us from some of the cliches here this morning. Not just, I'm not going to speak only from my experience. I want to actually go to God's opinion, wisdom about what God says about our singleness. And luckily, even though I am married, God's word is a higher authority than my experience anyway. But as I began to study, here's what I found. That the Bible says that singleness is a really good thing. Everywhere in the, let me explain it like this. When God wants to highlight something or, or make and underline something in our lives, he usually will dedicate a chapter to that thing in the Bible. For example, to talk about faith, we have Hebrews 11. Or to talk about love, we have 1 Corinthians 13. Or to talk about the power of our words, we have James chapter 5. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, God dedicates an entire chapter to singleness. He's underlining the wisdom that there is in singleness. Now, Paul is writing to a church that he planted. And, and, and part of what he is writing is a response letter. The church in Corinth was a wild church. We, we probably don't have time to unpack all of it today, but it will suffice to say it would be like Las Vegas, New York City, and Los Angeles all combined into one place. It was wild. And so Paul, they had some questions. So they wrote Paul, their pastor, and said, what would you have to say about getting married? What would you have to say about sexual expression? What would you have to say about dating and about singleness? And Paul writes a response letter to the church in which he says it's better or it's a really good thing to stay single. Actually, everywhere in the Bible that singleness is mentioned, it's described as a good thing. Singleness to the Bible or to God's opinion is not a season to painfully endure. It's not a curse that you are a victim to. Singleness is a gift meant to be stewarded and enjoyed. That's what the Bible would have to say about singleness. The funny thing, Paul, Paul just says, marriage isn't for everyone, which kind of rattles us a little bit, doesn't it? Like none of us ever getting around, get around to actually even asking that question. We could talk about the gift of singleness and everyone's like, yeah, 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 but not really for me. 
We say like, yeah, you know, like I'm singleness is a gift. I just like kind of want someone to hold my hand while you talk about it. <laughs> we never actually get around to the question like, is singleness for me or is marriage for me? And part of what I want to even deal with today is that question is a great place to start. Because to the Bible, marriage is a gift, but singleness is also a gift. Let me be clear here today. If you are here and you have not committed to someone at the altar in the covenant of marriage before God, you have the gift of singleness. If you are dating, exploring, if you are engaged, guess what? You still have the gift of singleness. If you have not stood at the altar and committed to somebody, guess what? You have the gift. And it may not feel like the gift that you want, but it is a gift sent to you by God. Singleness is a gift. And I wanna encourage you today, don't let culture, don't let church, don't let family, don't let The Bachelor or anyone else tell you otherwise. Singleness is a gift. So next time somebody comes to you and says, why haven't you found anybody? Why aren't you dating anybody? Are you looking? Why are you still single? All you have to say is fire back at them and say, I'm a gift. That's why. I'm a gift. I am a gift. Let me encourage you today. Singleness is a gift and it is from God. And God is not a sloppy gift giver. Singleness is a gift and God has appointed you. Paul says, don't be wishing you were somewhere else. Right where you are is where God wants you. God is not a sloppy gift giver. Every day is but a gift from God for a purpose. You say, Cody, doesn't it say that the Bible says that uh, it's better to get married than to burn with passion? True. <laughs> Burning with passion, though, is an idiom in the language of, uh, of being tormented by raging sexual desire. And it's funny that we're like, oh, yeah, like that, I'm burning. <laughs> Pants are on fire all the time. Like, what are we saying? Like, let me just help you today. <laughs> Having the attraction does not disqualify you from the gift of singleness. The attraction just means that you are working properly, that your biology is intact. It doesn't mean, having sexual attraction doesn't mean necessarily that you are burning with passion. Like, that's an intense thing to say. And Paul says, yes, it is true. And even that is a contrast statement. He says, it is better to marry than to be held captive by sexual sin, but it is still better to learn a little bit of self-control and burn with a passion to serve the kingdom of God. That's what singleness is about. And so Paul says, if you can, you should, because it is a really good thing. The desire to get married, to find a partner, to have sex, God made you that way. But let me say it to you like this, uh, that today helping us to understand the challenge of Jesus is that uh, just because you experience the desire doesn't necessarily mean the gift isn't for you. And I know all the single people here today are saying, I knew we should have gone to Saddleback. They are mean at Free Chapel. <laughs> Hold on. Let me help you today. Understand wisdom. 
What does God say about my singleness? Like, what is his opinion on it? I want to help us with three quick things, three thoughts, or, or, or really three things to do in making sure that we are stewarding our gift well, to, to, to be successfully single. Really simply, here's the first one. I want you to write this down. Find your purpose before you find your person. How to use your singleness? Find your purpose before you find your person. This is what singleness is for. Singleness is to find your purpose. Paul says it's in your singleness that you have the most freedom of will, freedom of time, freedom of energy, freedom of resources to respond to the thing that God has placed in your heart. Paul says the wisest place for you to invest all of that freedom you have is into your purpose or into the kingdom of God. Do you know what your purpose is? Do you have a cause that you are willing to die for? Do you have something in your heart that you are passionate about? Singleness is the time to discover that. Actually, Paul says the wisest place to invest it is in your purpose. Verse 32, he writes this, I want you to live as free from complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master which is a really great, great question for us singles to ask. If you're single in this place, here's the question for you. Is your concentration on just pleasing God with your whole life? Yeah. It's a good focus to have. He continues on to say, marriage involves you in all the hard labor of construction of a domestic life, wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. How about this definition of, definition of marriage? He says, more trouble. The time and energy that married people spend in caring and nurturing for each other, the unmarried can spend on becoming whole and holy instruments of God. I want you to either circle or write those two words down. We're going to come back to those words, whole and holy. But Paul says marriage is the time to invest yourself into the kingdom of God. The most content singles I know see this season as a, one, as a distraction-free pursuit of God and his purpose for their life. The most content singles I know know what their purpose is and are investing it into God's kingdom. And that's why singleness is a gift. The reason singleness is a gift is because it's about investing your, into your purpose, which Paul says is better without a spouse. Now listen, marriage is beautiful. Marriage is purposeful. Some of you married people here today need to leave this place and go put your marriage on a mission. But singleness is the time for you to invest in your purpose before you find a person. How do I know this to be the case? You don't have to wait to find your, you don't have to wait to find your person before you walk in your purpose. How do I know? Because Jesus was single and he was single in a culture that probably had more pressure to get married than our own. See, in the ancient Near East, it said, if you had died before you were married or had kids, you actually died two deaths. The first was a physical death. The second was the death of legacy that you would be forgotten. And it's in this culture that Jesus still chooses to take up the vow or the commitment to remain single. Yet I would argue that Jesus had the most important purpose on the planet and he fulfilled his purpose independent of a marriage relationship. You say, but he was God. Listen, Hebrews chapter four says, 
that he was tempted in every way that we are, and yet he did not sin. Jesus chose to take up the vow to invest into his purpose. And we pray, part of the Christian life, we pray, God, make me like you. We sing songs about this on Sunday. Help me to be like Jesus. What nobody prays is, God, help me to stay single. But don't you think that as the Christian, if our goal is to be like Jesus, the question is at the very least worth asking, God, is marriage for me? We never ask this question. We think, yep, that's my thing. I want to get married and it's all good. But I want to help us to understand you don't have to get married to find your purpose. Some of you fellas, I know you wrote it in your Valentine's Day card this past year. You said, baby, you are my purpose. (laughs) It's really romantic, but help me. It's not true. You don't find your purpose in a person. Purpose is found in Jesus. And the danger is when you enter... The danger is if you enter a marriage that way, you end up putting God expectations onto a person and it only sets you up for disappointment. Our purpose isn't found in people. So what's the point of marriage? Marriage is to partner with somebody in fulfilling the purpose for your life. That's what marriage is about. Marriage is about partnering with someone. Let me say it like this. Marriage is not how you find your purpose. It's how you fulfill your purpose. It's partnering with somebody. But you don't need to have a person in order to do that. Make no mistake. Marriage is beautiful. It's amazing. I love my marriage. But God is the source of my soul, not my wife. That's what this is all about. The point of marriage is about partnering with someone to fulfill what God has placed in your heart. Jesus says in Matthew 22 that there is no marriage in heaven. Mess some of you all up. (laughs) For the Bible's picture of marriage is but a metaphor of something much larger. For marriage is about Jesus and his church and the way that he serves her and will return for her. It's a picture of the kingdom of God, but you certainly do not. Marriage is not part of the salvation process. You don't walk in your calling the day you get married. That's what singleness is about. It's about finding your purpose before you ever find your person. To invest yourself into a cause, into the kingdom of God without distraction or without limitation. Find your purpose. The second thing, it gets better. The second thing, not just to find your purpose, but make relationships a priority, not an idol. See, an idol is anything that we put our attention or affection on above God. That's what an idol really is. And when our priority or our focus is as out of priority or out of order, an idol is formed. As a young adults pastor, I, I, I talk to, I, I see many young adults who are making the mistake of idolizing the, the, their wedding day, of thinking that that day is the day where they, they, they finally get the evidence of God's promise. They think of the, the day of their wedding as the day that really even of, of God's existence. You know, that God hasn't forgotten about me. My proof of that is, here's the thing, that is an idol. And instead of taking the time to invest in singleness, some of 
us single people, some of you are taking the most valuable years that you have and using it chasing a picture. Singleness is about investing into my purpose. It's about making relationships a priority. Love, it's one of those things that kind of becomes all-consuming. Once we go down that path, it can become the only thing that we think about. But here's what I've learned about idols. Idols will always leave us feeling empty, abandoned, and alone. Making relationships an idol could set you up to be more lonely. Let me encourage you today. I actually believe that singleness doesn't have to mean solo. It's very possible to live a relationally fulfilled life as a single person. Marriage, it's just not the only venue for relational fulfillment. Genesis chapter two, the Bible says that as God formed Adam and Eve, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now track with me here because this is really important because this verse has often many times been used as evidence to get married. It's not good to be alone, so find a spouse. It's not actually what it means because when, see, God didn't see Adam in the garden as like sad and lonely and said, hey bro, I need to help you out. Let me just help your boy. It's not what God was saying. God didn't make Eve as a spouse or as a wife to Adam. He made her as a partner. So God actually says, I'm not gonna create a spouse for you because you're lonely. He says, you have, I have given you a huge assignment on your life and it's actually gonna be really hard for you to do that by yourself. So I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you a partner. They do get married, which is a beautiful thing, but I'm trying to help us to see that, that part of the Christian life, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that the day that we get married is the day that we finally have relational fulfillment. We can invest in relationships now. When it says that we're not good to be alone, here's what it's saying. I actually believe that you can't experience God's best for your life in isolation. And singleness more than ever is the time to invest yourself into the community of God, into the family of God. You say, you know, can you be a Christian? One of the questions I get asked as a pastor, can you be a Christian and not go to church? Well, maybe, but you can't be a growing Christian and miss out on the family gathering. That's why this is important. That's why joining a connect group matters, especially as a single person. We have one uh, single guy in young adults that attends four connect groups every week. And I'm like, yeah, bro, that's what this time is for. Make relationships a priority, not an idol. You can have more covenant friendships when you're single than when you are married. I actually believe, Paul says, that, that, that singleness is a much simpler life. And my goodness, it is. <laughs> we know where he's at. Do you know what was in my kitchen as a single guy? Mustard, tortilla chips, and leftover Pizza Hut. Now everyone in my house like wants food. Spending $40 a week on baby formula. I'm like, can't we just give the kid Gatorade? Like. It's, there's more trouble that comes from this. Marriage isn't the only venue for finding relationships. It's actually singleness is the time to double down on relationships. You can have more relationships when you're single. Why is this the case? Because when you, see, I hear this many times. You say like, you know, people in marriage, like, hey, 
baby, like Saturdays are for the boys. I just need a night with my friends. Uh-uh. The person you stood at the altar with, that's your friend. Oh, yeah, I'm the commissioner of the fantasy league. I'm the captain of the, the pa- captain of the basketball team. Guess what? She's the captain now. I mean, just help us. All the women are saying, wow, he's wise for his age. And all the men are frozen. What did he just say? I'm not saying you don't have friendships when you're married. I'm saying that you can have more deep friendships, more intimate friendships when you're single. Singleness is the time to prioritize relationships, not idolize them. So live your life as a single person, investing into others, investing into the family of God. Here's the last thing. Find your purpose. Make relationships a priority. The third one is just a word of encouragement because I'm trying to dispel this myth. Here's the thought. One is a whole number, not a fraction. One is a whole number, not a fraction. It's basic math, but I want to help us understand something here today. Because there is this false thinking that there is a missing piece of me somewhere out there that I'm meant to find that will finally make me whole. Doesn't exist. You are not a fraction. You are not a half. You are not incomplete. There is no missing piece of you in another person. You, one is a whole number. Second Peter uh, chapter one, he says, he has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Independent of any horizontal relationship, God has given us everything we need in the person of Jesus and in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. All we need is found in this. What I'm trying to say is that relationships should be built off of foundation, not off of frustration. Every relationship that you have, especially romantic ones, should be built off of foundation, not frustration. I know so much. I remember being there frustrated about being single frustrated about being lonely, frustrated about feeling stuck, frustrated by all my unmet hopes and unfulfilled desires. And I empathize with that, but I need to tell you something as your pastor here today. There is nothing worse than compromising relationally as a remedy for loneliness. Lonely is a terrible reason to start a romance. Lonely is a terrible reason. Why? Because marriage doesn't even fix the lonely problem. And it is, it is far worse to be lonely in a marriage than it is to be lonely and single. Loneliness is not the antidote, or a relationship is not the antidote for loneliness. A relationship should be built on the foundation of your whole self. It should be built on the foundation of a person alive in their purpose. It should be built on the foundation of a person activated in their calling, secure in their identity. That being single and secure is a reality. Singleness is not about finding the one. It's not really even about being the one. It's about being one. It's about being whole. Paul says in verse 33, 
that in the, for the unmarried, they can focus on being whole and holy. Holiness is a word that we don't talk about in church often in 2021. We forget about holiness. We think it just means religious. And I don't want religion. I want a relationship. No, God still cares about holiness. Which, by the way, holiness is not defined as religion. It's not defined as piety. Probably a better way of understanding holiness is wholeness. The Bible says that because God is holy, we are called to be holy. God is complete. He lacks nothing. And we are called to follow up in the same way, to be whole and holy by his love. That's what this is about. It's about being whole. Holiness, it just means to be set apart, which is to say that the, the, the opposite of holiness is not sinfulness. The opposite of holiness is ordinary. And what a challenge for us single people, for you single people, to not live your life as ordinary. The gift of singleness that God has given you is not meant to be just chasing a picture or to follow in everyone else's plan for your life, to looking ahead to what you always think is next. No, singleness is meant to be in pursuit of a life of holiness, a life of wholeness. Can you imagine if we actually treated singleness this way in the church? Married people, we have to take Jesus's words too. We have to stop treating single people like they're second rate. Like life doesn't begin at marriage. Purpose doesn't begin at marriage. Calling doesn't begin at marriage. You can have all of those things as a single person. Marriage isn't even like level two to your calling. So we can't, we, we, we actually have to take this seriously and stop making single people feel like they're second rate. We, I think we need more committed single people, not less. People that can see their singleness and get a vision for it for the glory of God. Can you imagine if we treated singleness this way to pursue wholeness, to, to pursue holiness, to find my purpose, to invest in covenant relationships? See, in marriage, we spent all of the time preparing for 24 hours. We prepare for who's going to wear what and who's, wh 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 where are we going to stand and what's everyone going to eat. And we spend all the time preparing for the covenant of, of, of 24 hours instead of a lifetime. And could it be that if we actually spent more time in preparation for covenant, that we would actually see a lot less tragedy and a lot less pain when it comes to our marriages? To see actually singleness in the wisdom and the way that God does? We spend so much time on rehab, so much time on intervention, so much time on healing in relationships instead of spending the time preparing for them. That's what singleness is about. It's preparing for the covenant. And all of you single people, you have this gift, the gift of freedom of will and of time to pursue God's purpose for your life, to invest yourself fully. That's why it's a gift to actually take this season and prepare. Most people, you will get married. But I wanna just help us because this gift of singleness, it's time that we make a commitment to it. 
Whether it be one year, whether it be 10 years, whether it be a lifetime, either way, it's still a gift. It's still a really good thing according to the wisdom of God. And so here's where we just close today because we're talking about staying committed. You know, I think it'd be a great idea if some of you single people wanted to sign up for the pre-marriage class. Start preparing for covenant. Just take a look at what this means. The value that God places on marriage. We're talking about staying committed, committed to covenant. And here's what we're saying, because anytime there is a covenant, something dies. Whenever there's covenant, there's blood. Anytime there's a covenant, something dies. As a marriage person, what dies in the covenant of marriage? It's your independence. It's it's your singleness that dies in marriage. Revelation is you cannot be single and married at the same time. You're saying, ooh, that's good, write that down, I know. Whenever there's a covenant, something dies. In marriage, it's our singleness that dies. It's our, it's our independence that dies. The big, biblical picture of marriage is laying ourselves down in self-giving love for one another. We quote Ephesians 5, like husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church, but we stop there. That's a half verse. The rest of the verse says, and gave himself up for her. Married people, listen to me. The biblical example that we're called to follow. Husbands, following the example of Jesus is not like, oh, all power and authority belong to me. The, the, the biblical example of your marriage is the cross of giving yourself up for your wife. What dies in singleness? Well, staying committed to singleness, the covenant of singleness, taking up this call is the call to die to your desires to take up your cross to follow Jesus. See, the Christian life is about learning to sacrifice what you want or what you want will become the sacrifice. Psalm 37, to delight yourself in the Lord. It means taking up your cross to follow Jesus. Single people, you may need to die to your desires. And it's not that the the desire is bad. It's just that the desire may have become an idol. And there may be a season where you need to die to that desire to follow Jesus, to, to, to give yourself an investment to Jesus as the lover of our soul, as the comforter, as the, 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 the hope that we have, to follow Jesus as the purpose of our life, as our example. I know what I'm talking about sounds a little bit crazy, but God never promised that it would be easy. He promised that it would be worth it. I'm gonna call some people today to make the commitment to singleness. I don't know how long the season is, just talking to some people this week, I wish I had this message to understand what singleness, what God's wisdom, what his opinion is on singleness, that it's a good thing. To make the commitment to be 
securely, to be successfully single. The Bible says, if you can, you should, because there's tremendous eternal fruit that can come from it. And the reality is many single people here in this place will get married, but they'll look back on their single season. You may look back on this sermon and the question will be, did you endure it? Did you loathe it and despise it? Or did you maximize it? Did you invest into it? So as we respond today, here's just how I'm gonna ask us to close because we're not just talking about the covenant of relationships. Really, what all of us are invited to is to take up our cross to follow Jesus. This is what Christianity is all about. If you're new here, visiting with us, it may seem like, yeah, what the heck are they talking about? That sounds intense. (laughs) The invitation for you is just come and see. Come and see what a life with Jesus is all about. But if you are a committed follower of Jesus, the invitation for all of us is to come and die. And it sounds crazy until you realize that he did it first. Let me say it to you like this. Love is not about Disney. It's not about Nicholas Sparks. It's not about The Bachelor. It's not about a heart. It's not about a diamond. Every biblical picture of love that we have is the cross. Love, it means dying to yourself. To respond to the love for Christ died that we might know him. He went first for while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Many of you here today, the response may be to recommit to the covenant commitment in your marriage. That we're going to work it out no matter what. Many of you here today need to have a moment where you commit to singleness. And still there are many people here today that need to enter in this invitation of joining the covenant family of God by responding to Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus. Let's do this. Let's all stand together just as we close here today. Because I want to create some space for us just to respond to this, to respond to what God has placed in your heart. I know this to be the case that while I'm speaking today, it may be my words, but God is also speaking to you. And you know, you know if God has spoken to you, committing to a life of singleness, doubling down on your marriage because it's worth fighting for. Or maybe stepping into a relationship with Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving around. Just give me a a few more minutes before you leave today. This moment is important. If you're here today, you know that God has spoken something to your heart. This is the moment for you to respond. It may be a moment here in just a second where we come down the front, prayer team to pray with you over your marriage, to pray with you over your singleness. But here's the opportunity I wanna invite you to today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, this is your moment. The Bible says that he died for us in love, self-giving love, that we might have purpose and eternal life with him. You've been searching, but I'm telling you, it's found in the covenant relationship with Jesus. If you're here today, you say, Cody, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the love, the purpose, the God that you're talking about. It's just as simple to be born again. That's Jesus's words. He says, it's, it's, it's just believing in our heart that he is Lord and confessing it with our mouth, just as we will pray here 
in a moment, to believe that on the inside of me, there's something broken that I cannot fix by myself. Getting to heaven is not about a pastor, a priest, a, a promise, or a program. Getting to heaven is about a person named Jesus. To believe in our heart that he is the son of God, that he died for me and rose again, that I could have eternal life, a place in heaven with him forever. And lastly, to confess with your mouth in prayer as we will right now. But if you're here today, you wanna know Jesus, this is your moment. I'm just gonna ask you right now, nobody looking around, to lift your hand just high enough where I can see it. Anybody that wants to respond to know Jesus, there's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, there's five, there's six, there's seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Let's all pray this together. Just as our confession, we say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to. And I believe that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I follow your pattern of self-giving love to follow you. Now let's make this our confession. Say, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate and thank God. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.